There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of September 2013. Newcomers, please help yourself to the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find lots of audios for free download and you can also uh, get print-ups too of the talks I've given over the years in English and all the sites listed at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And if you want uh, print-ups in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu. Remember, too, I take along by you guys who support me by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I don't sell you things that make you live forever. I don't hype things up. I just say things as they really are. And um, all I do is uh, just put up the straight facts. And people don't know what facts are these days. They don't check them, don't know how to check them, in fact. They don't use reason. They don't use logic because they're not taught to use it. In fact, they're dissuaded from using it in school. In fact, that's part of your education is so you don't think for yourself. And it works awfully well with billions of people across the planet. Old techniques and this whole programs have done on it too in the past. And others have written books about it as well, about the education system. Uh, and also you find that people who wrote, uh, philosophers who wrote about education, like Jacques E. Lull talks about it. He says that your, your, your pr- primary education is essential for further indoctrination uh, and propaganda from the state to take effect on you. If you don't get that initial brainwashing, uh, it won't work on you so well. And that's why you find actually in this system, there's so many people, uh, the higher they go in the system or the establishment, the more robotic they become and they believe everything that they're told. Uh, those who are more streetwise at the bottom uh, often can see through things very, very quickly, very easily, get right to the core of the matter where folk miss the obvious uh, reasons for things happening or policies being made and so on. So I just have to cut in Remember too, you can buy the books and discs from the US by still using personal checks to Canada. You can also use international postal money orders from the post office to Canada. And you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome as we go through the planned inflation, which is to go on for years, apparently. But mind you, inflation is always built into a debt money system. The whole system is, is a, was a con to begin with. It's a complete farce, actually. Uh, and it's a complete con for total power and uh, and those who run it, of course, are a clique, a big gang, and they, they intergenerationally run it uh, into the ground, of course, as they profit off you. And they teach the public not to even question the system. You think money is just there, like gravity, when you're born, and um, you're taught to go out and work and earn it. And then the government also is there to tax all back. Taxing your labor actually was called slavery at one time. So, and that's what tax means to labor. You tax yourself when you push yourself or someone else pushes you. So we're living in a system uh, which Charles Galton Darwin talked about in the next million years. He said, 
He said, you're living in a time, he says, of, there's always been slavery in one form or another. And today, he says, we're in the process of creating a new, more perfected form of slavery. In other words, it's a slavery that the public don't even catch on to. They think they're free. And that's why the governments keep telling you you're free, or it's the best country in the world, or we've got the best health care in the world, or yada, 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 yada. That's all, all pure propaganda. And last night I talked about different techniques that are used on the public and that all governments have professional uh, scientific teams working on you, all of you. Uh, they've got the pulse of the public with all their information from tweets and so on given to universities. Academia is totally on board with it too, with implanted or embedded, you may call embedded professors who always work with government on various projects. They get all your data and they keep the pulse of the public. They know what's where the public are grieving about something or angry about something or whatever it happens to be, and they know how to rectify it. And the neuroscientists, psychologists, and behaviorist teams go into action and nudge you with specially written propaganda that's inserted into newspapers uh, without question, in fact, as articles. See, articles. Uh, Bernays talked about this, Edward Bernays, who's wrongly called the father of propaganda because really he had got it from predecessors and ancestors, in fact, who'd been studying the same techniques for a long, long time. Human nature. Human nature, you see. Because even merchants, the merchant class, had to understand human nature to sell you junk or things you didn't need. And so they'd always studied human nature to find out how or why things would actually take off in sales and other things wouldn't do it. So how, and how could you make things sell? A good example is um, some people phone professionals when they can't move a product. And often they come in and say, well, it's too cheap. So they raise their prices on it and people actually start buying it. That's, that's the strange things about human nature. Uh, these guys study it all and most folk who have the human nature don't even know they've got it. They just, they just simply impulsively obey or do things. It's quite a fascinating subject altogether. But so governments have always been in the process of, or in, 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 the, in the game of managing lots and lots of people, even the old kings and queens. That's why they had advisors at court all kinds of advisors, the Machiavellian tribes that knew how to weasel uh, information out of everybody and, and, and come up with plans to, to manage everybody on behalf of the king or the queen. Some of them even managed the king and the queen too. Uh, that's why they brought in those who come into, say, using Kabbalah in the Middle Ages, for instance, awfully popular at the courts, because uh, kings and queens wanted to know what the weather was going to be good when they sent a, a, a bunch of ships over to conquer somebody or another, and they bring in these guys to predict uh, the weather or good omens and so on like that. Even for, o- older than that, go back to Greece, of course, they had the same thing uh, going on there. But um, you'll, you'll find that these people have a lot of power over kings and queens who don't know much at all about how to do things. In fact, the sword and bread are not too bright. Still goes on today. In fact, I really often think that that was a system that those behind them wanted, not too bright leaders, people who appeared to be leaders, but who were malleable by the, 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 the experts, you see, the advisors around them. And I think it's the same today. Uh, prime ministers, presidents are frontmen. And the guys behind them are far, far more important. They know the agenda. George Bush Jr. was a great example of it, too. The guy half the time didn't know where he was. He actually came on stage to the, at, the, at, the, at the address of the union address. And he says, here we are at the... And they couldn't remember what it was. And he says, well, you all know what it is. And then they all laughed. But, I mean, this is the guy who pretended he was president. What's even worse is the people go along with it pretend he is, too. But nothing changes. Uh, you see, we're, we're conned constantly, and even this kind of government that we have means that you have to have a participation in the con if you want to be 
uh, ruled, you understand. And that's actually taught in, in higher, higher uh, studies and so on. A university that you must participate in the con yourself. It was the same thing with, um, as I said last night, to do with uh, the nudging things. For In other words, government policies. They want you to follow government policies. Government wants you to have certain opinions about things or alter your opinions about things and your behavior. And they have many methods to, to do it. But back to Bernays, and he said that the time that uh, it was easier to do with women initially than men. Uh, and then they said that we get women to start nudging the men to buy products or change their ways or whatever. And so it says most of our propaganda for social change is aimed at the women. And they brought up 90% of the magazines at the time were all geared at women with uh, dear abbeys and things like that for advice, advice, advice. But they're all put out by the experts that run the commercial systems. Quite fascinating. Nothing changes, though. But um, this ties in with last night, this article here. And it says... Computer program uses Twitter to map mood of the nation. Now, I've mentioned this before, but he's an article on it. And I've said they always keep the, the pulse of the public to keep them in order, in other words. And it says British scientists have developed, developed a computer program that can map the mood of the nation using Twitter. Now, they've had this since they gave you the internet. Believe you me. This one's called Emotive. It works by accessing the emotional content of postings on the social network site. The team from Lowborough University second has scan up to 2,000 tweets a second and rate them for expressions of one of eight human emotions. Now, this is a university grant, obviously. They got them started in this. But you can believe it that NAC had, had these programs years before. Far superior, too. See, there's three levels of everything. And the guys who are working at the bottom level don't know that there are ones above them. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system basically, and reading an article about a lower form of research. That's what they call it, research. The guys at the bottom in universities don't know that the searching's already been done in levels above them. So they do research, you see. And, and of course, they think they're the first ones to do it. So it's a bit of a joke, really. And you'll find this with a lot of uh, grants that get put out there, too. Uh, the, the things that they're actually studying or looking for have already been done. What they might find is extraneous information that's added to the information that the top guys get, because everything gets fed to the top, and no one knows where it goes or what's really done with it eventually. So this particular uh, following uh, the people's moods and so on of nations through Twitter and so on, it's rather primitive, this particular program. But it says, and we named the motive it works by assessing the motion content of postings on the social networking site. The team from Lubber University say can scan up to 2,000 tweets a second and rate them for expressions of one of eight human emotions. And I bet the ones to say the NSA and GCHQ in, in England can, can do probably multi-thousands, uh, maybe millions a second. Anyway, it says, um, the claim motive could help calm civil unrest and identify early threats to public safety. So you see, you get grants for all these things too, and they're always used in academia. More than 500 million people across the world use Twitter, and more than 340 million tweets are posted daily. The team from the university's new Center for Information Management. So you've got centers for information management. Eh? So the system can extract a direct expression of anger, distrust, fear, happiness, sadness, surprise, shame, and confusion from each tweet, you see. 
And they can also challenge you, see if there's little prompts that they're giving you uh, and nudges, etc., to change your behavior and your, your beliefs or whatever else it happens to be, what's trending right now, it's actually working or not. And, and they use shame to do that too. There's many ways to do, to do it with you. It says, the academics said that using the motive software to geographically evaluate any mass mood could help police to track potential criminal behavior or threats to public safety. Well, they'll say anything for the grants, right? And may be able to get, guide national policy in the best way to react on major incidents, they added. And it says, Professor Tom uh, Jackson, who led the, the, the research team, said that the public postings through social media give a very accurate real-time record of how and what people were feeling. And... Uh, it's quite an interesting, uh, it's just following the murder of, of uh, the soldier Lee Rigby in Woolwich, for instance, there was an outpouring of sadness and disgust through Twitter, he said. Across the country, people expressed their emotions at this unprovoked attack, with some using the incident to incite racial hatred against Muslims. It's really interesting this, because you see, Britain's been at this for a long time. You, you find a guy, Lawrence, uh, it was a Lawrence of Arabia, of course, in his own book, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. He said that he'd been trained at Cambridge with a whole bunch of people in in uh, in Ar- Aramaic languages or Arabic languages, and sent over uh, uh, pretending they were civilians, starting up newspapers across the Arabic countries. And he said that um, their job was to put out stories to change the attitudes of of the populations, soften them up, to get them taken over, in other words, uh, or getting them stirred up to 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 rise against the Ottoman Empire. And he says then they would send teams, you see, teams, they didn't have the Twitter and all that then, and they, they sent teams of guys that they'd hire who go around the bazaars and the coffee places and so on and listen to their chat, to all their chat, to see if it was if the stories in the paper were taking effect, the desired effects that they wanted to get action done and so on. So this is just a, an ongoing thing of the same thing, only it's better to get uh, all your information with under the guise of, you know, fighting terrorism. They can get all your information, telephones, conversation, everything, folks, you see. So across the country, people expressed their emotions at this unprovoked attack, that's with a soldier in Lee Rigby in Woolwich, with some using the incident to incite racial hate against Muslims. Two days after his murder, his family appealed for calm, stating that the son would not have wanted his name to be used as an excuse to carry out attacks against others. The appeal had, al- had an almost immediate effect, leading to an outpour of positive sentiments. So they use everybody. And they also get, get these, to create outrage too, when it wants some suits them as well, you understand? Professor Jackson added, Twitter is a very concise platform through which users express how they feel about a particular event, be it criminal acts, a new government policy, or even a change in the weather. This is through the computer program we've created. We can collate these expressions of feelings in real time, map them geographically, and track how they develop. But they can also manipulate uh, their outcome, can't they, to direct where they want them to go. And Dr. Anne O'Brien, who was part of the team that created the study for emotions used by the program, said it could change the strength of feeling expressed in both ordinary language and in slang language. For any instant, we can view how reactions grow and diminish over time, she said. The system's currently only being used to analyze tweets in the UK, but the researchers said it could easily be scaled up to monitor tweets globally, while well, you bet to the higher level have been doing this for years. Guarantee you, folks. This is the low-level stuff at universities. Who also, obviously, are given uh, access to all your information. And you forget that, too. The universities are getting access to your information all the time with permission from the government and the NSA and GHCHQ and all the rest of it. But remember, too, if government wants to attack you, they can tar you with, with a terrible paintbrush 
and, and, and put all the stuff and see how the public are reacting to you and how to tweak the public one way or another or, or intensify their, their feeling or outrage against you, whoever it happens to be. So this is an old technique, you understand. Only they're using um, telephonic communications and electronic communications to do it, to collect the data. So this goes with everything, every policy, every every paper you read every day, you're all being analysed with your with your comments and so on to each other uh, daily by all these programmes and the NSA and so on. Also, tonight too, I'll put up an article about eugenics, because eugenics is awfully important and uh, it's ongoing, of course. Eugenics has been the dream of the elites to always not only improve themselves, but basically to make the general population more easily manageable for themselves. And uh, this one says, UK bioethicist, which is eugenicist, promoting a second wave of eugenics. And the guys in it, actually, um, say that they proudly call themselves eugenicists at the top. They still use the same term, naturally. Use bioethics, bioethics to sort of put you off the trail. It sounds better, you know, bioethic. Ethics sounds good. We like ethics and stuff, don't we? It sounds better than eugenics. So I'll put this up too because uh, eugenics is getting pushed and promoted mightily, really, in a thousand different ways under the guise of helping you or your children's health or even altering our genes and so on. Uh, in, in vitro, uh, in order to create uh, healthier children. That's what you. That's what you want to believe, because all, the government is always here to help you. That's what you're taught. You see, and nothing's further from the truth. The future's already written, and all of you and your offspring are not in it for too long. <laughs> that's what's, that's the truth of it. Also, this article too about how wonderful things are as the propaganda comes out and trivia comes up. When things are really bad to give you lots of trivia to keep yourself occupied with, or, or ooh and ah stories, ooh, you know, stuff like that. But it says, one in five Britons now fear they will never be able to stop working because of shortfalls in their pensions and savings. I bet it's a, a lot more than that. According to a new report, it says, the survey carried out by HSBC warns that the UK is heading for an age of the unretired, with pensioners in Britain more gloomy about their future prospects than those in other countries around the world. Well, they're giving the same propaganda across the world too, because everybody's looking pretty gloomy. The global survey, which questioned 16,000 people in 15 countries, shows that 19% of those asked in the UK expect they will never be able to afford to, to retire fully, and a lot of them can't retire at all, actually. Just in America, the figure was 18% in France and Hong Kong, 12%. But in Brazil, when the world's new fast-growing economies, only 5% think they will never retire properly. This is also perhaps not surprising that Britons are so downbeat with nearly half of the British pensioners questions, saying their retirements hadn't turned out as they'd planned because they have less money to live on than hoped. Well, you understand that everything's tripled in the last few years, the cost of everything that you need. And that is the plan. The Federal Reserve uh, the chairman said that a few years ago after the so-called banking crash, the farce of that con, and um, he said that we've got planned inflation for the next year. Ten years. Ten years. Minimum. But see, it's always, it's always built into it anyway. Otherwise you could live for like you did in 1900 with $5 a month. It's always been built into it, this con of money in the hands of these private gangsters. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. I mean, governments have always been the business, naturally from ancient times to the present, of how to manage the people. And how to rip them off too, and, and, and even train them into a system that they think is normal to be ripped off, you see. By changing the names of things. I mentioned before that if a, in the old days the highwayman would, be, would stop your coach and pull out his guns and demand your money, and you paid the money, you could travel on, you see. And today, uh, you have cops. Cops do it. That's, they've just added a whole bunch of new laws in Britain, for instance, for, for deraking the cash by, for, for tickets of all kinds. And they've got so many already, it's just un- astonishing. I'll put that link up too. But the thing is, when someone with a uniform does it, who's authorized, you see, who stops you on the highway, and he's got a gun and the whole bit, and, and he gives you a ticket, and some of them actually, in, in some countries, uh, you've got to pay them cash on the spot. Or a check or something like that Then you can travel on, you see So it's all perception management And perception management alters the reality for you Because you've been trained to see it as a different thing It's no different than going to the old, the old mafia movies You know, when they try to blame the Italians for being the mafia And um, and you'd see them, the, the henchmen going around the, Say New York or Chicago uh, Demanding money from shop owners For, for protection money and you say, it's protection money from who? Who you protect? From us. Or anybody else who tries to muscle in. Because the gang always fights over the herd. You're the sheep, and you always have the shepherds, you see, fighting over the sheep who want the sheep. They live off you, you see. Awfully well, too. And you knew you were being leaned on heavily by a guy who'd either beat you up, or kill you, or burn your place down. And today you've got the same thing with governments and so on, who live awfully well again. Even local governments live awfully well off all of you with the massive taxes they ask you. Much, but they get much bigger salaries than most folk that they tax. And they live awfully well, and lots of perks as well, for extort money off the public, you see. And you never get an accountant as to where it all goes, naturally. And um, that's the way things are. It's a con trick, you see. It's a, it's a real con trick. But they also try to, to, as I say, it's all perception management and train you into seeing things differently from what they really actually are. And here's an article here, it ties in with it too, how stimulating the brain's cells can trick it into saving uh, memories, finding security breakthrough and treating disorders, disorders it says. So they found that by altering brain cells, the brain could be tricked into saving something as a memory. To saving something as a memory. In other words, they can give you false memories too. You see? And this is, this money is all coming from your tax money for, for grants. These scientists are working on this. It says it's the first evidence that memories can be created by manipulation. No, it's not. There's, there's other ways have done it too. But it says they found that by altering brain cells in the cerebral cortex, the brain could be tricked into saving something uh, like a memory. The findings could lead to new ways of understanding and treating them and dis- disorders and so on. So they always say that they're doing it to, to try to help people that are sick or whatever, had strokes or you name it, or blah, blah, blah. They always, they always bring that in. DARPA used that. DARPA's in the business of helping paraplegics, as you well know. That's their job, eh? And they put the, the chip in the guy who was a paraplegic so they could move the, the cursor or mouse and send emails to pals. This is what they tell us, anyway. But since the findings continue to understanding and treating memory disorders, reports journal Neuroscience. Now, remember, the first object of any grant money is put out by the big boys is for military purposes or managing the public. Always. All inventions, all creations, all, all these discoveries are always, first and foremost, for weaponry. 
The researchers from the University of California, Irvine, looked at how memories were formed to make their findings. Professor Norman Weinberger then showed that by altering brain cells in the cerebral cortex, which produced a predicted specific memory, these memories could be saved, just like in a computer. And it says, in a study in mice, the animals were played a specific tone while their nucleus bacillus deep within their brains was stimulated. This released uh, acetylcholine, a chemical involved in memory formation, increased the number of brain cells responding to the specific tone. The following day, the scientists played many sounds with animals, found that their respiration spiked when they recognized the particular tone, showing that specific memory content was created by brain changes directly induced during the experiment. Uh, Weinberger says disorders of learning and memory are a major issue facing many people. And since we've found not only a way that makes that brain makes memories, but how to create new memories with specific content, our hope is that our research will pave the way to prevent or resolve this global issue. And it's a global issue, isn't it? Because, I mean, in a, in a global world system, totalitarian system, you've got to make sure you can give all the people false. Actually, you could eradicate your memories and give you all these new ones, you see. And the MKUltra experiments was to do with this, this very thing, how to eradicate all memories and give them, the people new personas and even fake memories. So here you go. Still at it, folks, you know, and probably way beyond that and, and many other ways too. And we pay for all. We pay for chains. We pay for lobotomies, you know, all kinds of things all the time. Government's first priority is the preservation of itself. Never forget that. Never forget that. And government is the middleman for the elite that own them. All governments are, even the communist government is the same. You had all the, the party members down below who worked in the factories. They got all the perks and extra cash and, and they had whorehouses for them and all the rest of it too. And they all had these ridiculous party lines that everybody had to parrot. And they all knew it was ridiculous, but that's how people are. You know, psychopaths prostitute themselves quite easily with, with no uh, emotion whatsoever. And, um, and it's the same in every government across the world. Politicians remember that their, their job is to con people uh, and, and play the nice guy and smile and, and joke and, and lie. You know, that, that's his job. But he's not, he's not the brightest often. And so they've got all these experts way above them on, on behalf of the elites who are appointed to advise them and write their speeches and so on and, and tell them what to do and put proposals to put forward. That's, that's how things really work, folks. I'm sorry it says, but this is how, this is how it's been for all, all along, at least for the last 150 years, probably longer. So, that's the system you're living in, and they're always tampering with us in many ways that most folk don't know about, never mind the usual ways of, of drugging your water, your drinking water, and vaccinating you, and all the usual stuff, and bombarding you with microwaves. All the studies that are out there, too, old studies that have been repeated many times that prove the same things in behavior modification, and so on and so on. And don't forget when uh, Brzezinski wrote it in his book too, The Technotronic Era, Between Two Ages, in the chapter The Technotronic Era, he said we can actually put a whole continent under behavior modification or control uh, by using ELF waves. That was back in the 1970s. And he was the top guy there uh, and entered go, uh, in between or go between between the, the NSA and a whole bunch of different uh, organizations in charge of the military. They don't make these statements in their own books unless it's already done. And also, Facebook, it says, users are committing virtual identity suicide in droves quitting the site over privacy and addiction. Fears is about time, eh? It's about time some of the idiots left it. 
It suggests Facebook recently lost active users in the US and the UK. Majority of people quitting the site blamed concerns over privacy. Well, eventually it takes how many years for it to get through to them. Other reasons included fear of addiction and shallow conversations. And of course, they, they've done all the studies on the shallow conversations part and how they've basically isolated people who've got hundreds of friends that are only often sock puppets, as they call it, fake friends, all computer-generated responses. And uh, once again, mind control, eh? behavior modification, you've changed your behavior. You're sitting in front of this ridiculous piece of plastic every day staring at it. That changes your behavior, just like TV did. And in some countries that really pushed, uh, I went through Europe years ago, many times, and I noticed that there was experiments going on on the whole populations, different experiments in different countries. And I, I know they were all led by the same people, and I got verification of that from a, a parliamentarian in uh, Norway, in fact. But um, they probably weren't aware of it, and they were pushing a form of socialism that covered many of the, the, the techniques that were used in the communist states. They were using it in Sweden, for instance, as an avant-garde for everything, and the feminist thing, and, and there's no such difference in genders. It's all, it's all learned behavior from your parents and all that rubbish. So they're doing that there, and, and in Holland, uh, they had that time, it's no kidding me, uh, I think they had something like a third of the population on permanent disability with bad backs. And uh, they even did programs on the BBC about that. And and anyone who said they were an artist, because they tried that thing, if, if I say I'm something, you better say I'm something too, it could be gender, whatever. But if they say you're an artist, then the government had to buy your paintings off you. And so you did a, a few scribbles every year. And, uh, and and even had massive buildings to house all these scribbles, you see. And so eventually it couldn't last because of the debt factor. But they were, what they were trying to do too was to encourage, and they did the program to encourage the men to stay home with the babies and let the women go out to work. All, all these experiments across the whole of Europe and all that data was being fed up to the source that, because we're already global and run by the, the guys who, who run the, the global financial systems and so on. We're already global. And there's Holland now, after right to Parliament and Golden Carriage, the Dutch King says it's an end to the welfare state. This experiment's over. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back catching through the matrix talking about the big experiments of Europe, of course. And all the data again was fed up to the big boys who owned them all. Didn't know at the time they were already owned, you see. And by the big money boys that owned all their central banks and so on. The big global gang. But it's but they've now finished their big welfare state there, it says here, and the king declares it in a speech written by the prime minister. So the Dutch government heralded the end of the welfare state Tuesday as the fifth largest eurozone economy presented an austerity-driven budget for 2014. I always think of the way things are written, it's interesting. It says the classic welfare state is slowly but surely turning into society of participation, King Willem Alexander told Parliament, laying out the liberal-led government plans for the year. See, the Liberals brought in the welfare and see if people still believe that there's different parties. So it's asked uh, of all of those who can take responsibility for their own life and those, those around them, the King said in a speech written by Prime Minister Mark Root. 
so you get to see responsibly for your own life, supposedly. If that was the case, they'd leave you with more cash in your pocket to do so. But you see, they've got mass uh, immigration going in there too, uh, from all countries except Europe, the same as Britain. And they're paying all this money out to, to house all these new folk and, and pay for their welfare and stuff like that, you see. But says the king who travelled through the streets of The Hague to dress the MPs and senators in an ornate horse-drawn golden carriage said the transformation would be particularly noticeable in social security and long-term health care policies. And the classic welfare state of the second half of the 20th century has ended up with practices in these domains that have become untenable in their current form, said the king, whose country for decades symbolised the Western European ideal of the welfare state. And it says that the Dutch finance minister, Joren Gisselblom, later unveiled his budget in Parliament with the Netherlands' economy still struggling to return to growth. Then they go on about the growth factor of, of and, and uh, GDP and all the rest of it, and, and growth predictions, 0.5% for 2014. You understand this is all rubbish that you're trained to believe is all real? I mean, where is it written? Is there some god that came down and wrote it into stone that we're supposed to all work for, for, for in a system where certain people are allowed to run all the economy and, and the money system, you see, and that we're all born in to serve the economy, and we're all racing with other countries to try to get ahead of them, you see, to get a stronger currency, which we don't own anyway, which is never stable, and there's no point saving it up because it's getting devalued all the time, because it's built into the system. And understand the whole thing is a big, giant con, folks. Absolute con. But we're trained in this, see. And then you get the, the growth prediction of 0.5% for 2014. is less than previous forecasts in unemployment on the rise since June 2011. It's expected to climb beyond 9%. It's, it's right out of Orwell's 1984. Choco rations are up. Always throwing out statistics, 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 statistics. You see? That you're supposed to believe in, you see. But that's your job. Serve the economy. Do what you're told. Uh, get taxed to death, and go into austerity at the same time. Is, isn't that wonderful? Are those who take all the cash off you and running on the social, are they living in austerity? Do they plan to? Of course they don't, folks. They're just perfecting their system of ultimate greed. You see? At one time they have to keep you, like, leave you with so much money just to keep happy, more so in the States than any other country, because they were getting built up to be the big, uh, the big uh, battering ram for the world, taking over from Britain to globalize the system. And now they're taking it all away again, you see. They standardize them into the old system. Now they've been the battering ram. And China will take over. That's what they said at the CFR long, long ago. Many years ago. Back in the, the, the 30s, actually, the Royal Institute of International Affairs said that. So, you know, it's all there, folks. Also, data retention, VPN, logging and internet surveillance in Europe, it says. The European Union is well known for its extensive and highly controversial mass surveillance legislation. Mandatory Data Retention Directive, as called, adopted March 2006, requires all ISPs and communications providers to keep data for at least 12 months and which must include enough information to and tell you all the stuff, trace and identify and so on and the rest of it. In practice, it means that logs are kept of all telephone calls, SMS messages and emails made and received, and all websites visited and all EU citizens are subject to the massive invasion of privacy regardless of whether or not they're suspected of any crime. 
And it says the details of who can access this information varies by the country. For example, the UK, a large number of organisations have been granted access with very little ju- ju- judicial oversight. But in general, it must be available to competent national authorities in specific cases for the purposes of investigation, detection and prosecution of serious crime as defined by each member state in its national law. And so on and so on. Then it gives you the opposition to the data retention directive and all the rest of it. But the folk will accept it because they get addicted very quickly to twittering and chatting away and, and prattling and all and just repeating rubbish that's fed to them by the media. So they won't give it up, you know. And and most folk don't mind now. I mean, actually, that's a great job they've done on the on psychology of the public. Most of them don't really mind. Oh, well, I've done nothing wrong, you know. And, and that's how they see things. People fought against government intrusion for centuries for having rebe- the rebellions and all the rest of it and revolutions. And, and it only took a few years for everyone to give it away. That's why you never fight in a revolution for something better. Because, you know, the next generation, the ones down the road, will toss it out the window for candy, basically. No kidding you, folks. It's too easy to manage people by those who have the ancient sciences of it. It's just too easy. No kidding. And also, too, I'll put up an article tonight, too, uh, about Attenborough. Everybody's heard about uh, Sir Attenborough again. At it again, complaining about giving foreign aid to, to, to feed uh, people across the world, third world countries, because of overpopulation problems. Uh, the, a lot of the countries actually are underpopulated in Africa. Most folk don't know that. They've got the opposite impression by propaganda. Uh, there's not enough folk left in a lot of the places to actually do the farming they need. And then they have all these wars on the go. Now you've got uh, the big um, AfriCore group in, uh, from uh, the United Nations too, using the, the, the U.S. military to grab the last resources there too and getting the war stirred up between different tribes and peoples and all the rest of it. And so the guys are all fighting and no one's doing the farming. Old techniques. Britain did it for centuries too when, when the... And the big boys took over them, moved in and took their countries over too. A long time ago. Uh, President Obama breaks arms export laws to send shipments to the Syrian rebels. And it says that, uh, it says, according to a story published by The Hill, President Obama has waived federal regulations on U.S. arms sales to begin supplying anti-chemical weapons equipment to rebel forces in Syria. Under applicable until now provisions of the Arms Export Control Act, the President may not authorize shipment of any item included in the U.S. munitions list. And he goes through the paragraphs of the munitions list and all the rest of it, specifically outlawing exporting chemical agents or equipment for dissemination, detection, and identification of and defense against those agents, it says here. And so on and so on. But what's different, I mean, he's been exporting arms for years. They had the, the conferences early on this year. And Britain has sent them uh, arms shipments through Qatar. So did the U.S. and missiles too, by the way. And and so did France. So everybody's in on the acts. And that's all I'll say about that because it's not what I'm saying anymore, is it? And also in Detroit, it says you're teaching the folk to be austere. It says Detroit government shuts down power because the residents didn't conserve enough electricity. This is austerity, you see. The government initiated an intentional shutdown of the power grid. Uh, now representatives are blaming residents for feeling to conserve energy. And um, this is the power age that was confined to a small area became a citywide problem. 
when local government made the decision to shut down a large portion of the power grid as a precaution, sending a strong message that people needed to turn off their air conditioners, it says. When asked about the short notice for the forced power outage, City of Detroit Chief Compliance Officer Gary Brown said, We did start calling our customers prior to taking them uh, down and asked them to turn off their air conditioners, but they weren't responding as fast as we would like them to do, so we had to send them a strong message by turning the power off. Now, that's what the smart meter is about too, for those who don't know about it. Because the first article that came out about smart meter in Canada said that they could actually turn off all your power on demand, not just in one person's house, but they could actually isolate you or a whole area or the whole country or parts of the country. That was part of its intention. So now they're using it, of course, and teaching you, training you, like, like basic beasts, you know, basic beasts, just train them by fear and no power. That, that's a civilized country that's leading the world. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. Your God, your God's go with you.